Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santos, joined, as always, by the Ryu to my Ken. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? <laughs> That's... I don't like this one. Kevin, you don't like this one? Because you, you can go so many directions for what Eric could be. I, I have mean, a whole roster of options of what to call him. And not just that, but also like the default character to my default character. <laughs> no way, like, dude. I know you have your joke that you are the default the, protagonist in every video. These, games, are the, these are the hero characters. These are the hero characters of the game. But our very own M. Bison, it's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, uh, how you doing? See, now you could have you gone E-Honda. I, I, that, that's the one I thought would hurt your also, feelings too you know, much. Hurt too far. Uh, too far. Blanca? That's old, old Eric Ronnebeck. That would really hurt his feelings. <laughs> Dawson would also have hurt my feelings. Oh. I thought you were going Zangief, which also would hurt my feelings. No, I was, I was thinking Chun, I was going to go Chun Li, but then you made that joke before the podcast, and I thought Eric's really living that M Bison life right now. <laughs> 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 and no one will ever know what, what I'm referencing, but uh, but we know. That's but fine. we know, and the laugh the laugh gives it away. So we're back this week. It's a busy week. This is the week that NFL free agency opens up, and so we have a lot of Seahawks news to get to. I'm going to get right to it. No bullshitting around this week. Let's go to the Seahawks news this week. First thing. Um, let's go with players who left. So Paul Richardson signed a four, a five-year deal. This is your Seahawks free agency in memoriam. Five, five years. Uh, let's. We're gonna go in order of like ones that I think people will be the most fired up about. So we'll start with Paul. Paul, five years, forty million, twenty million guaranteed. Uh, we predicted on this podcast someone would give him top-tier number two receiver money, and that the Seahawks would choose not to be able to afford that. And we were right. Does anyone else have any other comments about that? It had to be the Redskins. I'm stealing that from Kevin before he can get it out. That's uh, eight million. I mean, you know, that's that's a lot of money for someone with like what, like ninety career receptions. I think one one full season under his belt. Yeah, that's the thing that's tough for me is that the injury history. Obviously, the talent level is there. I really like Paul Richardson a lot. Like, I am unapologetic in that. But that is a lot of money for someone you cannot rely on at all. um, Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I don't know what to. Th- I don't really know what to uh, think here. He'll have a good so quarterback thrown to him. He's <laughs> Alex Smith. So Paul Richardson's got an insane catch radius. He's a, obviously very talented. If anyone could put the ball out deep to Paul Richardson, it's Alex Smith. <laughs> exactly. Alex Smith was the most accurate deep ball thrower in the NFL last year. Both those passes but were so good. He and then he had like the least amount of attempts. Correct. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just I'm over it. Like it, it's it, it sucks, but uh, I. Heartily welcome the third or fourth round compensatory pick we will get in return for Paul Richardson. Paul, thank you for your service. Uh, next up, Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham heads to the the Packers on a three year, thirty three million dollar deal. Right? Is that is that right? That sounds about right. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Graham is it's in a, the ten million a year region. I just I don't have the numbers in front of me. Yeah, I don't. Have the, I don't. I should have looked it up before I said anything. I know it's a three year deal. I'm a hundred percent on that. So Jimmy Graham's a three year. Uh, he's on the Packers now, and I like same thing. Uh, good, good for him. I felt like he was never quite used perfectly in Seattle. Eric, what did you think about Jimmy Graham's tenure as a Seattle Seahawk? Man, you you summed it up. It was a it was a piece that we added for WoW, and we had all these great plans that never came together. And I I'm not sad to see him go because we never used him correctly. He had great moments, but not great seasons. Uh, com- compensatory pick, same thing, third or fourth rounder. Uh, do you got? He had ten touchdowns last year. He also led all tight ends in drops. So we, you take the good with the bad, right? Like, he was a poor fit for us. Why was he such a poor fit for Seattle, Kevin? I think a lot of that had to do with the way that we gear our offense. Um, you know, you have deep drops. And Jimmy Graham, especially post-injury, had trouble stretching the field as much as you would think. Uh, also, you have a player like 
Russell Wilson, who's good at kind of dropping the ball in the bucket. You have a lot of accuracy, and Jimmy Graham's a guy who benefits the type of quarterback that is more inaccurate because of his catch radius. Mm -hmm. So it just seemed like all the things he's especially good at weren't things that we especially needed. All the things that uh, he was bad at are things that we don't really have a way of covering up. So we need a blocker. We try and get him to do more of that, more chipping, and he's not able to play slot receiver. When he does play slot receiver, it's a situation we already talked about where you have you know, him and Baldwin trying to work the middle, and you start getting a lot of overcrowding there. I just don't think that it was a great scheme fit. I don't think... I think there was an issue where we had an offensive coordinator who really liked to fit players to their scheme instead of fitting their scheme to their talent. Uh, yeah, no, no argument there. I mean, you summed it up perfectly. So the last uh, guy, big loss, the Seahawks went. There's other small play, player movements, but the other big one, Richard Sherman was cut by the Seahawks last Friday. He was then allowed to go out and try to find a contract. He actually came back and gave the Seahawks right of first refusal. The Seahawks turned it down. He signed a deal with the 49ers that is insanely incentive-laden. Uh, to the point, it's uh, it's borderline like the contract that Okung signed for himself when he went to Denver, except for even crazier. Because if, if, if Sherman makes the Pro Bowl this year, that contract is is very much in his favor. It goes up to like almost all guarantees, thirteen million dollars a year. And if he doesn't make the Pro Bowl this year, he he basically is going to get five million dollars and be a free agent again next year. So, what what do you guys? Um, just let's go from the emotional reaction first. How does it going to feel the first time you see Richard Sherman in the 49ers red and gold, uh, Eric? Uh, man, honestly, it's going to suck. I mean, of all the places he could have gone. San Francisco. This is the 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 fans that harped on the Seahawks for being shitty for so long, and then the minute that San Francisco falls apart, they can't even half fill their brand new stadium. Uh, these these are the fans that I can't stand, and now they get to root for a guy that they've spent the last six seven years hating. I mean, I don't know exactly when they started rich, hating Richard Sherman, but the pinnacle of which was the tip. We'll always have that, but man, to see him in gold and red, man, it just sucks. I'm I'm not I'm not excited about him leaving for that reason. He may have had to leave for for cap reasons, and it would have been fine. But to the Niners, that's lame. Kevin, he cut a guy. They signed where they signed, and they offered him a deal that it wouldn't have made sense for us to match. So it is what it is. I mean, would I rather him not suit up for our division rival? Sure, but. I don't know. I mean, good job. Go out and get yourself a paycheck. You probably have one or two good years for them. Does it bother you that Richard Sermon said that he part of the reason he went to San Francisco is because he's vengeful and wanted to play the Seahawks twice a year? Yeah, because we didn't know that about him. Yeah, this is not a surprise. It's Richard Sherman. What what I won't miss about him is I don't know his uh, his veracity. If the Packers were in warmer weather, he'd have gone there. I mean, flat out. That's a good call. He wants to win. Uh, that's a place that's close to his family. He wants to play on the West Coast. He wants to play on the West Coast. It made too much sense. So, I mean, good for him. I mean, whatever. It is what it is. I, um, I I cannot summon upsetness with a player for signing a deal that makes sense for them. Yeah, there's there's no upset. I'm not upset at Richard Sherman. Well, I mean, there's people out there that are apparently burning the guy's jerseys. Yeah, that's I'm hoping stupid. you're not our fans because I have more faith in you than that. Yeah, the the thing that bugs me the most about about the whole thing is that um, 
that Richard Sherman thinks that this contract he signed with San Francisco is a good contract. It is if you think you're an all-pro. It's not a good contract uh, for a player coming off an Achilles injury. Let me start with this. If Richard Sherman was uh, 100% healthy, I have no doubt in my mind that he would be playing week one with the Seahawks and he never would have been cut. Okay, this The Seahawks are betting against the ability of him to come back from the Achilles injury. And he's betting on his ability to not just come back, but come back immediately and play at a Pro Bowl level. It's a big ask. It's a big ask for himself. It's a big ask for him. Um, if he starts the season on the pup list, he's basically screwed. Yep. He has no chance yeah. to reach like most of these escalators. And to be honest, there's a good chance that he does start the season on the pup list. Which, and it's completely out of his control if he does, too. I mean, San Francisco can just go, yeah, we're starting you on the pup list. Sorry. And what's he? Got, what recourse does he have? He can't say, oh, well, no, I'm actually healthy or... Uh, he's going to have to file a grievance. Like his, He has no chance. So it's... I think it's just a bad move overall. I'm just like really disappointed in the fact that he thinks he outsmarted the system, but the system really outsmarted him, I guess. Kevin and I spoke about the deal just briefly on the way here, and Kevin is adamant that Richard Sherman will not be uh, the Richard Sherman we know this year. It's going to be hard, you know, coming directly off the injury. Maybe My exact statement is his best season will be... Uh, 2019, 20. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine like that after next year he could be real good again. Yep. But it's uh, that's a good point, Nathan. You know what? The Seahawks didn't burn any bridges, and what this is the best case scenario if you're a Seahawks fan. Next year doesn't go so high. He starts the season on the pup list, and he's bitter because he's bitter because the San Francisco 49ers didn't believe in him. They put him on the pup list. He's bitter because he doesn't get all his contract escalators. He's bitter. He leaves the 49ers, and where does he go? Well, what's a team that didn't burn any of his bridges, that has a great system for him to succeed in, that is probably going to see more out of him than any other team? That's the Seattle Seahawks. I, so there's a chance that you know next year at this time we're like, oh, here come Richard Sherman's coming back, and we're good to go. And, he, and it's on a more fair, team-friendly deal. It's $8 million a year, and it's mostly guaranteed because Richard learned his lesson from last time yeah. <laughs> about guaranteed money. You know, it's, And if he plays at an all-pro level and, and he – gets all those contract escalators, you know what? He outsmarted all of us. Good, good for, for him. Good for him. Yep. And honestly, he, if there's one player who can do it, it's him. Yeah, he pushed all his chips in on himself. And I don't I don't like the injury history of people with Achilles injuries, but he knows his body better than anyone else, and I wish him the best of luck. Well, and good on you with that confidence. Yeah. All right. So then that's that's the Richard Sherman deal. Uh, any other, uh, like, uh, oh, Michael Bennett left in a trade. Did we, was that before last week or that was no. before last week, wasn't it? Nope. It was right after. Okay. So Michael Bennett traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, we only saved $2 million. We get like a, a draft pick. I don't care about and a wide receiver. I don't care about it. It's not a great trade. I'll be honest. It felt like, um, we were just trying to get rid of him to get rid of him. Does, does that, do you guys agree with that? Or what do you guys we think? We got a replacement level wide receiver and a late round pick. So, I mean, you know, you tell me. It sounded someone. One of you guys broke it down in the thread that we trade a Michael Bennett in the seventh for a fifth and a seventh. Fifth, yeah. what was it? A yeah. fifth and a sixth. A player that's basically a worth player. a seventh round pick. Yeah. yeah, and that was that's unfortunate. I'm not the receiver we brought in is just another body. I don't even know his name. That's why you keep saying the receiver. Like you said, it seemed like a really odd deal. And it's like Marcus Johnson. It's a really, really he had a really good pro day, game. but he wasn't invited to the combine and he didn't get drafted last year. So how good is he? Right? How good is he really? I uh, want to know what the sure. Pick. Why not? <laughs> I wonder gonna... what the Patriots would have offered because there's that news out there that the Patriots are supposedly offering a better deal, but no one can confirm that. I don't know. Probably not worth thinking about. I mean, a fifth is fine. Like you know, you can get 
I think uh, Byron Maxwell was a fifth, but you, you can know, get Richard Sherman in the fifth round. You also can get nothing in the fifth round often. Yeah, that's so, what. Just look at our last two drafts to see what you can get in the fifth round, or basically any round. Because as of right now, the Se- this is my other thing I want to talk about. The Seahawks players that we have from like our last two drafts, we had, or for sorry, the three drafts ago and the two drafts ago, we only have three players left. Yeah, so the uh, 2015 and 2016 drafts. Right. We have Britt. Uh, we have. Oh man, I should have wrote this down. This is dumb. I'm trying to like remember it. As Jones doesn't work. Lock it. Lock it. I don't know. Anyway, we only have three players left. It's it's like just everyone else just flamed out miserably. It's a, it's been a miserable couple of drafts for the Seahawks. I don't really know what to. I don't really know what to think. Like we did so good when we first took over the team. Do you think that the the compete era died a little bit when we uh, gave all these veterans huge contracts? I do think that to an extent that happened. There was a bit of a logjam, and it's a very different style of managing a team. Um, you could argue that B. Carroll and Judge Snyder needed to learn a lesson there. I liked our draft last year. I, I'm still waiting to see the fruits from that draft. Our draft last year was different than our previous couple of drafts, though. Yeah, oh, it's Frank it was. Clark is the other player. He's not He's not it's, here. Uh, Frank Clark? Oh, I'm sorry, Frank, Frank Clark. Never mind. Yeah, sorry. Britt Clark and uh, Lockett. I was I was thinking uh, I was thinking of the guy who went to uh, the Raiders. Yeah. So so now the the Seahawks Thank are you. the Seahawks are now going to try to make some moves to replace a lot of these guys that we're talking about. Guys that were high level contributors to our team. The first move they made uh, first they they re-signed Bradley McDougald. Uh, to a really nice deal. Super team friendly deal. Uh, he he basically it, it, the contract says to me he really wanted to come back and play for the Seahawks again. Which okay, good for him. He's I think he is sev- about seventy five percent as good as both of our safeties and uh, replaces them at that level. And that since they're both all pros, that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, we get about three million a year. Yeah, for a multi year deal, right? Uh, no, uh, that's not right. It's it's something like thirteen million over over three. Yeah, over three. Okay, that's still that's a good it's deal. Very, very team friendly. Yeah, and this is a guy who could step in and start. And we wouldn't really miss a beat. Um, this is great insurance if Earl or Cam goes. Yeah, if Cam, if Cam can't Especially get if back Cam from goes. this injury, if we trade Earl Thomas, McDougald will be able to play. No one is Earl Thomas. There's not a football player on earth that's Earl Thomas uh, because Earl Thomas can cover one, and it's almost like having two players back there. So yeah, that it, it would hurt going from McDougald to Earl. The defense would have to change a little bit, right? Yeah, um, but, but that's something we're already living with. But. We, we had defenses without Earl before. I, I think at some point, like, the heart of our defense is Earl and Bobby, right? Yep. Those two guys. And when one of them's missing, it hurts. And when both of them are missing, our defense sucks. <laughs> so yeah. so at, at this point, I really just want to see both those guys get on the field and stay on the field, right? Yeah, I they, agree. They can cover so much ground. They're so special. So that that's where I'm at. There have um, been some rumors out there of uh, there was a, something going around on Twitter that we traded Earl for Dez. And some stuff like that has been going around. I just, A, I hope it's not true because I think that that's getting rid of Earl Thomas is, that tells me that we're doing a full teardown. Number two. And not if we get rid of him for Des Bryant, dude. That means that we're just concentrating on the offense instead of the defense, maybe. I was about to say, number two, specifically that deal, I just don't, I feel like that's pennies on the dollar. Yeah, like we're not, we're not saving money to get better. We're, I don't. I don't really know if Dez is going to improve our team drastically. Dez oh. is on the decline statistically and performance-wise. You love Dez Bryant, Nathan. I am a, really want to. I see am it. a. I'm a big Dez Bryant mark. I think uh, that a lot of his uh, his tick down can be can be attributed to the fact that the quarterback they have is a rookie and young, and yeah, he got hurt and then he 
got hurt again. And then last season, he had a full season, but he was playing with a quarterback he had no chemistry with, who was honestly, they wanted to be a run first offense. They didn't want to throw. The last time he played a full season with a quarterback that was operating at Russell Wilson level, 16 touchdowns, 1,300 yards. The guy's nuts. He has great talent. Um, I think that he'd be fine. He's not even 30 yet. So I uh, a lot of people are throwing dirt on Des Bryant's grave, and I think it's a little premature. Uh, I, I, I would say they're, they're, wide receivers can play really good pretty deep into their careers too. So I'd rather have like Des Bryant than Sammy Watkins. Let me just put that out there. Yeah, they're getting paid about the same because <laughs> Kansas City is insane. Yeah, like Sammy Watkins got paid like $48 million over three years. And like give me Des Bryant 10 times out of 10 over Sammy Watkins. So do we want to start going into – The wide receiver contracts have been nuts in this free insane. agency. Do like, we want to start going through NFL contracts or do you want to – No, uh, we have more Seahawks stuff. stuff. We got more yeah. sick stuff. Um, they, we, we RFA'd all our guys uh, – Dion, Dion Jordan, uh, there's rumors going around now that it's a first-round tender, not an original-round tender. It doesn't really matter. He's going to be on the Seahawks next year. Uh, they, uh, we, we put a second-round tender on Justin Coleman, which is good. That means that we're serious about keeping him. I yeah. really like Justin Coleman in the in the slot. Yeah, locking up a good slot corner is really worthwhile. Um, there's uh, And then, then Barkevius Mingo. We talked about him as a potential option as someone we could pick up, another reclamation-type, project-type guy like we did with Dion Jordan. But the difference between Barkevius Mingo and a lot of these other guys is he was actually pretty good last year. Um, he was a... He was the second most effective pass rusher, according to Pro Football Focus, that hit free agency last year. Uh, he he was pretty pretty decent for Indianapolis. The big problem with Mingo is he came into the NFL. The he went to Cleveland. Cleveland was playing a three four. He was a not he's not really a great outside linebacker. He's he's decent at coverage, and he he's okay. But he's much better when he can play like a Leo position, like the one we have. And so for us to get him to for three point four million dollars a year for two years. And to, to play the position that he's probably best at, he's one this, of the, he's probably the best free agency option. Um, this guy's better budget. than Bruce Irvin, like I think. I think he's Bruce Irvin, but but he's better and younger. He's a more athletic Bruce Irvin, that is for sure. His physical traits are better. We now have the number three and the number six pick from the 2013 draft, because uh, Mingo and Gian Jordan were the third and the sixth picks in that draft. Yep, I'll take uh, it. So also he has like the craziest name. He's basically the reason that the that P and Keel made that sketch uh, with uh, you know all those crazy names. Yep. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm really excited about Barkevius Mingo. I think he's good. Um, that's pretty much it for Seahawks, right? Well, that's another signing of one of those reclamation project type players that we talk about needing to hit on. Like he's a guy that you could pick up and. Um, could get more production than the contract. You can easily see that happen. Okay. Now, the other rumors swirling are that the Seahawks are really hard on for Jordy Nelson and Nadam Kong Su. Those are the two names that have been pretty consistently coming up as guys the Seahawks really want to get. And, and those are of, big money guys. And a lot of people say, like, those are big money guys. Like, how are we going to afford that? Why are we going for those guys specifically? Why didn't we go for P. Rich back? Or why didn't we go for... Um, who's another big name free agent that we could have had? Uh, Sheldon, why don't, we, why don't we Sheldon back? Why don't we get Sammy Watkins? They all cost the same. What's the difference? Well, here's the biggest difference. Okay, when you the way that the NFL compensatory pick rules work is that when you sign a guy, if they're an unrestricted free agent, they count towards the compensatory calculation. So that means if we sign a guy as a UFA, like like we signed Mingo, he was a UFA. Okay, he counts towards now the Colts. Uh, compensatory pick calculation, probably like a seventh rounder or a sixth rounder, right? Like a late compensatory is possible. Because it's based Mingo. on the amount of money per it's season he's getting. Based out. on salary compared to other players 
at the same position. So Mingo made $3.4 million a year. Not a lot. They might not even get a compensatory for him, if I'm being completely honest. Now, the Seahawks have already lost three guys to compensatory picks, basically. We've lost Jimmy Graham. We've lost uh, Paul, Richardson. Paul Richardson. And we're probably going to lose Sheldon Richardson. Okay, Those three players are all going to bring in either a third or fourth round compensatory pick. Because they're making... Eight to ten or more million dollars. They're making per a, year. a lot of money, especially compared to the position. Richardson probably going to bring a fourth, and then I think the other two guys will end up bringing in a third. Now, when we sign other players, if we sign UFAs, they would count against us. They'd be like, "Oh, that downgrades them. They don't need a fourth round compensatory anymore because they signed an unrestricted free agent." If we sign a guy who got cut, like Nadam Kongsu or Jordy Nelson, it doesn't count. So, if we sign Jordy Nelson to a big money contract, we still get all our compensatory picks for next year. We start stacking up those third-round picks. And what I think this team wants to do is they want to get a bunch of draft picks next year. And so, if that's their, really their goal, and it seems like it is, these guys make sense in terms of that plan. Low-money signings like Mingo. I wouldn't be surprised to see us go for another low-money wide receiver, although the wide receiver market's out of control right now. Um, we're just basically going to end up getting whoever's left over. I think at this point it looks like it's going to be Terrell Pryor. That's just a prediction. <laughs> uh, but like we're just going to get whoever's left over for $4 million a year, right? Because we just want to not hurt our compensatory picks. Well, right now it looks like we're doing a quick rebuild without a complete teardown, meaning this year... Uh, coming forward, it looks going forward. It looks like we we might tread water, and this looks like a yeah, like a transition year where we might make the playoffs. Might, yeah. but probably like Kevin said, ten six, nine and seven. Eight and eight. The roster talent is somewhere between eight and eight and ten to six. A right team now. that looks similar to last year's team record wise. I mean, unless they scheme better than we're giving them credit for, which right. could happen. The offense could. could get a lot better just from having all different coaches. Yeah, that's what we were kind of hoping before we before free agency happened. And this offensive line could be significantly better, but I'm not going to gamble anything on the right side of this line. But as I said earlier, like I like last year's draft, and I want to see where the fruits of that draft will lead. And I'm excited for every Seahawks draft. It's not like we've had terrible drafts. We've had some misses, but ultimately it's it's exciting come draft time. And next year's draft, man, we could have some pretty high picks. picks. Our worst draft picks are uh, Jimmy Graham and uh, Percy Percy Harvin. Those are our worst draft picks, probably. Uh, the other thing to think about, uh, to kind of go along with what Wait, Nate's Kevin, saying, to be clear, just in case someone out there is like, those weren't draft picks. Those are guys we traded first-round picks to get. The, yeah. uh, essentially burning our draft picks. The the way the team thinks of them is they think of them as draft picks. They even said it at the time, that this year we used our first-round pick and we added Jimmy Graham. Okay, right. cool. We also lost Max Unger. Like I think that was kind of lost <laughs> on the team, but whatever. Yeah, there was definitely a lack of value there, and... That might be partially our offensive line coach, too. Uh, but then I just really like blaming him for stuff because I don't like him. Anyway. It's fair, Kevin. Uh, so to reiterate a little bit of what Nathan's saying. So if we bring in Jordy Nelson on $10 million a year or whatever it is, uh, normally the way that would work is bringing him in would give a compensatory third-round pick to the Packers. And then we would lose a compensatory third-round pick that we're getting for, um, you know, Jimmy Graham, for instance. In this case, because he was released, it doesn't count. And that's just to quickly summarize what Nathan's saying. So, do we want to talk about potential other targets, or do we want to talk about some of the big news in the NFL? Um, I think we just go we go straight into the because I have a question about the next thing, so don't worry about that. We'll get to it later. Uh, around the NFL, just real quick, uh, let's just go quarterback carousel. All right. Quickly. Yeah. Cousins landed in in, in uh, Minnesota. Keenum landed in Denver. Uh, Denver. Denver. 
<laughs> Bradford landed in Arizona. Tyrod Taylor landed in Buffalo. And who did the Jets no, land? Tyrod Taylor landed in Sorry, sorry, landed Cleveland. in Cleveland. Who ended, and who did the Jets end up with, Kevin? Landed in they ended up with Teddy Ballgame. Teddy Bridgewater, which is, I think, my my favorite. Like, I like Teddy Bridgewater. That is a, lot. a sneaky good pick. Uh, so, so that's kind of crazy to me. Uh, now, all this qu- quarterback shaking up happening. Here, let me let me give you a couple quick oh, thoughts. Trevor Simeon ended up in Minnesota too. You ready? You ready for this, Kevin? Yep. Uh, Case Keenum is just Trevor Simeon with a different name. I like that. That that was a take I saw on Twitter that I loved. Uh, I think that that's hilarious and also kind of true. I think Case Keenum has a better arm. Keenum, but Keenum has many years. You can look at the stats of just like not good performances. Minnesota's coaching staff's awesome, and they have really good weapons. Uh, he's he's landing in Denver, which is a soft-ish landing spot, I guess. So here's my claim here. <laughs> Their offensive if line If you sucks. look at the type of player Case Keenum is, the offensive line's really going to be a big problem for him if they can't cheer that up, which they might because they might pick up Jordy Nelson, or uh, Jordan, not Jordy Nelson, uh, uh, Quentin Nelson in the in the draft now with their first-round pick. But uh, the difference between him and Simeon is that Case Keenum will just throw the ball up to Demarius Thomas. Like and that's enough to score an extra touchdown a game compared to Simeon. Like that sounds really dumb when I say it that way, but he's willing to put the ball up, throw deep, and try and make an offense work. Um, whereas Simeon really turtled a lot. All right, and then to that, yeah, I I don't, I'm not crazy. Then another thing too is is I I started like really digging into Kirk Cousins tape because I was like, how good? What's the what's the ceiling here for Minnesota? And I'm gonna say. It's not a lot better than what we've seen from Kirk Cousins. I think that he's he basically hit his ceiling, right? Which is like borderline the eighth best quarterback, borderline top five to ten production. That's where he is. He's gonna he's gonna live there. He doesn't matter if he has Diggs and Thielen or whoever. I think Josh Doxson's actually pretty underrated uh, from watching the film. Be, watch him take the leap this year. I won't be surprised at all. Um, what about the offensive line Nathan? in Minnesota? Yeah. It's fine. It's gotten so much better the last, uh, last year. It was healthy. Like, last and year. if they get Dalvin Cook back, like those are some good, those are some legit weapons. I look at this Minnesota as you have uh, three years guaranteed for Cousins. You have, have him for three years. I'd say for two years, the next two years where they don't have to pay a lot of guys, you have your Super Bowl window wide open. Minnesota, you are 0-4 in Super Bowls. If you do not win in the next two years, you are failures. This, is, this has never been a more clear window than the Minnesota Vikings have right now. I also think the clear thing is you just move from like the 16 to 22nd best quarterback to the 8th-ish, the 6th to 10th best quarterback. That's a significant positional upgrade for them at a position, at really one of their weaker positions. Better start studying the Patriots game tape. I still would have been really like to see Teddy Bridgewater with that offense, not under North Turner. Yeah. um, That's a what could have been. Yeah. I like the... The Jets, though, man. The Jets, like I like Todd Bowles. I think they have something good going on there. It, it could be decent. You know what signing I hate? What Arizona? That Bradford signing is bad. Okay, uh, their I, offensive line sucks too. Like, don't put Bradford behind that offensive line. Bradford never gets hurt. <laughs> his bones are made of graham cracker crust. Dude, we man, learn like nothing in all his other teams. Like, well, you, just put him behind a good offensive line, and he will do good. Put him on a bad offensive line, he'll play two games, and then you'll have to be stuck with whatever your backup is. They're gonna pay a lot of money for somebody to get the, hurt, though. What were the numbers, though? Because uh, I didn't know. I didn't find it's that. It's not out. that bad of a. It's money wise. It's, it's like got to be eighteen, double. isn't it? Yeah, 18 in this market is not that bad, dude. The quarterback contracts are nuts right now. It's it's either 18 or 20, I think. Yeah, well, 
I mean, the best, the only steal quarterback contract of all of these was the Drew. Tyron Brees Taylor. One. Drew Brees, two for two for forty eight. Man, that's awesome for the Saints. I like the Tyron Taylor pickup a lot. I, I like it okay. It get, lets them it lets them bridge to whatever quarterback they draft without having to just throw him into the fire and ruin his career like they did to Deshaun Kaiser. I agree, and I think <laughs> also it's true. A, I think it's an out of the box way of picking up a journeyman. Yeah, and the, I feel like they want to they want to win games next year. Like they want to win six games and feel good. They want and to win Tyrod, game. T- Tyrod Taylor can do that. Tyrod Taylor they can win six to eight games next year and feel good about themselves. Like feel like they're progressing in the right direction. Yeah, By the way, one year, twenty million, fifteen guaranteed. Anyone, anyone, second year option for twenty. Anyone wow. who thinks that the Browns are going to make the playoffs next year, let me tell you something. One, they were zero sixteen last year. Two, Hugh Jackson is still their coach. Okay, that, so that's it. That's all you need to know. They're not making the playoffs next but year. But I really liked him in The Greatest Showman. Shut up. <laughs> okay, I liked Woo! him better in Logan. So the um. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it. That's any all these. you need. I don't really want to talk about any of their signings. I want to talk about one other thing. Oh, Odo talk- Beckham got caught with a blunt doing some coke. No, apparently it was pizza crust. Did you hear? Did he really say it was pizza crust? Uh, that's what the woman who was in the video with him said. That's oh so God. awesome. Pizza crust. Wow, uh, cocaine, huh? I did. Okay, here's my thing right here. Odo Beckham is a is a uh, restricted free agent right now, yeah. right? So what what is the, the Giants? Is there any chance the Giants trade him or like just say no? You don't think so? You think they're just kind of stuck with him? Yes. Oh, that's too it's, bad for them. It's so Giantsy. Why? Isn't it? Why? Kevin? Because I don't know. I feel like he for whatever you would have said about Des Bryant being a problem for the Cowboys, Odo Beckham seems to be that times like a hundred. He's like is so he's the worst demeanor on the sidelines of any player. He he does this stuff. He gets caught with I don't know. It just. He's a huge distraction. How about do you feel about Zeke Elliott? Because I similar, think pretty much the same. Similar. I don't like. I don't like all that Zeke Elliott stuff. I wish he would like. If you're making that much money, just like keep it in your pants and like get better friends. Lay low. Like when you're get better friends. No, like, that seriously. is so wise. Honestly, that that is, get better that's friends. Very true. If yeah. you have friends that are shitty like this, just be like, hey man, when you come in here, you got to put your cell phone in this baggie. And then if they're like, I'm not gonna do that, be like, well then you're not my friend anymore. And then yeah. these friends are shitty. They only care about your money, so they'll be like, oh no, no, I'll put it in the baggie. <laughs> like I'm, I'm serious. Like to get better friends, like or get a bouncer, like get a guy that just stands there. And when someone starts taking a video of you with a huge blunt in your hand, slap your just hand, slaps the phone out of the guy's <laughs> hand, and just goes, "You don't motherfucking do that. Like you're done. You're out. Get out of this hotel room. Give me your phone. I'm gonna break it in half. Like that's what you need. You need that guy. I don't know. Otto Beckham, if you want to hire a security guard, let me know. Uh, can we talk about the running back contracts really quick? Because it's Seahawks related. It's yeah, Seahawks and Jace. I have a co- can I do like a really quick story just because we can go talk ahead, about go it? Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so retirements real quick. Um, I'll go from in order from, sorry because you're not as important, to uh, the original offensive tackle. Okay. Uh, so Paul Puzlesny retired, um, which is you no. know not a huge story, but no. he's a guy who had some impact. Uh, Zach Strife, <laughs> who's the <laughs> offensive tackle for the Saints. Uh, that does matter because we're talking about a really weak tackle class, and that's a team that now has to go out and figure out tackle even more. Yeah. And the really important one, Joe Thomas is retired from Cleveland. And that does two things. It destabilizes what was a really promising-looking offensive line where everything else was coming into place. And also, man, RIP Joe Thomas, the the, the first NFL offensive tackle. All right, Kevin, first, first running back contract. Nice. We're not getting Isaiah Crowell. 
How did that make I you? Know. How did that make you feel? So sad. And what did you think about the contract that he actually signed? Uh, did you see the terms. So what are the terms exactly? Refresh I, my memory. I don't. I don't remember. It was a couple of years. It wasn't a super big contract, but yeah, I that's the thing. None of these runback contracts are huge. It was. It was uh, like six, I think. Five. Whatever you think about the wide receiver contracts, you should think the opposite about the running back contracts. That is definitely the case. Here, let me uh, let me look at the free agent tracker that I have, so I can give you the exact terms. Uh, but okay, uh, Carlos Hyde also got signed. Yep. Uh, so Isaiah Crow got three years, twelve million, million from the Jets. I knew it was twelve. So about million. four mil. So I uh, remember what I said that I would give him yes. Eddie Lacy money and four, be fine with it. Four million was perfect. It yeah, seems so right. Carlos Hyde gave, got five million, which I totally would have given him five million a year. Uh, Deion Lewis got f- uh, twenty over four. Yeah, w- which okay. if he can stay healthy makes a lot of sense. And Let's that's a talk great about combo that. Back with Let's Derek talk about Henry. that Deion Lewis contract. Okay, I like Deion Lewis, but man, he has had a checkered injury past. This is another contract where they are giving a lot of guaranteed money to a guy who has gotten hurt a lot. I don't understand it totally. Uh, it, it only has a three-year out, too. Like, they have to get through three years no yep. matter what. Uh, Jarrett McKinnon got way too much money. Got 30 for four, man. Yeah, I don't That's know. That's a lot of money. Like, of, the running backs, McKinnon? of the running backs we've mentioned, Crowell, Hyde, Lewis, and McKinnon, I would put McKinnon as the one I would want on my team the least. I agree. Uh, McKinnon's the only one of those that I think could carry the load uh, really? reliably, but... Oh, like, I'm, I'm all in on Carlos Hyde carrying the load. Yeah, I mean... I am not. That dude gets hurt. Uh, we've talked about this he before. He gets digged up for a couple of games every year. Car- Carlos Hyde has missed like three games in the last two years. Yeah, Kevin, I think Carlos Hyde, I mean, he's... He's... He's better He's Ohio than State, that. Ohio State legend, Carlos Hyde, Kevin. That's too much, but still, Kevin, come on. Jonathan Stewart, your boy, signed with the Giants, two years, 6.9. Chris Ivory, two years, 5.5 with Buffalo. That, that one didn't make sense to me, but I, I don't understand why Buffalo wanted him at all, but whatever. These are really reasonable Rex Burkhead went back though. to New England on a super reasonable deal, too. Yep. We needed the running backs to be cheap, too. I don't really understand what's going on. So I'm We're looking at Saquon Barkley. All right, here's the guys I'm looking at, though. Alfred Morris still. Damian Williams, uh, I'm not. Don't want Demarco Murray. I'm just gonna say I'm out on that. He ran so poorly last year. I don't not. I'd rather have Frank Gore than Demarco Murray. A 30-year-old running back is. He rough. had one really good 80-yard run. Last I would year. rather have Frank Gore just because that snow game. He ran really well. <laughs> like I just don't know. Like I, I take a guy with one good game over a guy that I felt like just ran really poorly the whole. I year. I take Orleans Darkwa. Legarrette Blunt too. I take Legarrette really, Blunt Kevin? too. I or, take Orleans Darkwa. Orleans Darkwa's fine. Yeah, I would be fine with that. He's a solid cheap. rotational back. Like, I want just us to bring in one of these guys just to fill out kind of the roster. Yeah. Uh, Damian Williams is probably the one I want the most. Uh, Alfred Morris, the second most. Those are I don't know. I'd be really interested in seeing what we could do with Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill would be nice, yeah. too. He's young. I feel like he's going to get, like, $3 million a year. Do you think at this rate maybe he's we're going after nothing. two guys at really cheap? You really, yes. We talked $4 million. Our, our plan right now is to get uh, whoever's left over for cheap. Like, two yep. guys at $3 million total? If it's Alfred Morris, if it's just – we want a guy that's going to get, like – between three and a half and four yards per carry, and be a guy who's just a solid rotation Reliable back for one point eight. The year. thing about for like yeah, between yeah. two and three a year at the most. And my thing for for Morris is he's reliable. Like he's been reliably like four yards a carry his entire career. Like yep. you know exactly what you're getting, and he hasn't been a workhorse. He's not exciting. He's he's, he's he not low mileage. Uh, Terrence West is functionally the yeah. same back too, and he might make like one point two. Yeah. So then we got wide receivers. Okay, the wide receiver thing has dried up considerably. We got Nelson. Pryor, oh Mike Wallace, God, yeah. Marcus Wheaton, uh, Jeremy Macklin, Eric Decker. It's just leftovers at this point. Kendall Wright's still out there. Like I'm Kendall sorry. Wright. Sammy Watkins got more money than Allen Robinson. What universe do we live in? Dumb. Allen Robinson, three years, Dumb 42 universe. from Chicago. 
Sammy Watkins, three years, 48 from Kansas City. This is a dude that two teams have opted out on. In Kansas City. Rams did not re-sign. Why did you spend all your money on Sammy Watkins? That's a lot of Sammy. Okay, I get it. He's a versatile player that you can plug into a versatile offense. The other thing, too, is the, He's physical, a guy. the physical tools are apparent just from looking at him. Oh, yeah, this you guy jumps off the tape. Watch him play, and you're just like, whoa, not many guys can do that. But 48, I mean, what? For a guy who's never had a ten touchdown season no. and he barely eclipsed a thousand yards, like would you rather once? have Allen Robinson at three and forty-five or Sammy Watkins <laughs> at three and forty-eight? We all know that's that. you know, not a do question you know the, for me. Do you know the stats of Allen Robinson's best season, Kevin? They're they're okay. First of all, remember his quarterback who's his quarterback? 2015 with Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. He played 16 games and had 80 receptions for 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. You know what's more impressive? I don't care that, that he only played one game last year. Like, give that that man deserves all of the money. Give and this he man his money. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know what's better than that? What he made Christian Hackenberg look like an NFL prospect. Yeah, he did. He did do that. Hashtag he, never forget. Yeah. Um. I don't really love any of these contracts that have been given out except for the Amendola one. Two years, twelve million for Amendola. That's that's cash. I like that. Uh, the the Moncrie- Terry Gabriel contract is fine, I guess. The Moncrief but- one I don't like. Like that's Moncrief betting on himself. He's like, I'm gonna get in this Jacksonville offense and do what? Like He's I just getting paid though in good seven for million year nine point six. Well, it's nine point six if he hits all his escalators. Right, it's only seven million dollars base contract. How are you gonna hit all those escalators if Blake Bortles is your quarterback, dude? That's a, that's bad. Maybe he's betting on Blake Bortles getting injured. I, I don't know. Uh, Ryan uh- Grant. $29 million over four years. Why? Like, that's crazy. Ryan Grant like converted running back. I don't know what's going on there. These wide receiver contracts, like you said, they are nuts. So if I'm paying top dollar, I want a top dollar player. At least Ryan Grant didn't get uh, a lot of guarantees. Oh, wait. Nope. He got half the contracts guaranteed. Never mind. I lied. Um, okay. So we're at a point right here, Kevin, where the Seahawks are in a weird spot. We need to see. We need to figure out where they're going to go. So what's your? let's go around the, around the table. We'll start with Eric. Eric, or do you want to go first or last, Eric? You can pick. Uh, you know what? You said Kevin to start. You want me to go first, Kevin? Yeah, you should go first. Okay, I'll go first. Okay, just choose your own adventure. Okay, what the Seahawks have about thirty million dollars in cap space. The second Reddit choose your own adventure from last year. The Seahawks <laughs> have a, money. About the second one, not. If Averill's gone, the Seahawks have about thirty million in cap space, and we're just going to assume that that's happening eventually. So, what? That's just for this year. What are the Seahawks going to do with that money in your dream scenario? What do they do? And what we did was spending probably about nine to sign our draft picks. So we'd have like 21-ish. 20 to 21. That's that's what I figured. All right, I want Indomitian Sue. I do. And I think we can get him for... I'm going to go high and say... Oh, man, that's tough. 14. It's 14. I was going to say 12. 12 12 would be great. At 12, it's a slam dunk. (laughs) At 12, at 12, he's a Seahawk. 14 is where I... Uh, beyond that, I would like. Uh, okay, let's let's just go. F- let's split the difference. Say thirteen million. Okay, that gives us what I say eight million left. Eight million left. We spend four. Do you know, m- do you know how much he got paid last year to play football, Eric? Twenty-seven million dollars. <laughs> yeah, twenty-six one. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, <laughs> my my exaggeration was meant to be slightly funny. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's say fine. Give me fourteen. We signed two running backs. Say a Jeremy Hill and an Alfred Morris, or an Alfred Morris and an Orleans Darkwall. For a combined five million, that gives us another three million to find an offensive lineman who gets cut, who is undervalued, um, a project money player that we all agree in this room, kind of like Barcavius Mingo, 
is going to be a solid, not all pro, but a solid guard for this team. That's right. my dream. Kevin, right what's now. your what's your what's your dream off season? All right, so I think we want to spend about nine to eleven million on um between running back, wide receiver, tight end, uh, corner, pick up a couple of bodies in every spot. And so you'll look at like uh, Jeremy Macklin just got cut. See what you could get him for on a basement deal. Uh, Marcus Wheaton just got cut. See what you could get him for on a basement deal. The running backs that we've been talking about. Uh, tight ends. Take a look and see who you can get for around you know, $1.52 million. And then I want a big signing. Uh, maybe we go after bringing Sheldon Richardson back. Maybe we go after Jordy Nelson and we give him 10. But I want to get one significant positional upgrade. And then I want to spend the rest uh, on competition. You know, pick up some guys that are going to bolster depth and push. Yeah, I kind of I kind of want to blow all of the free agent money on like one player like Eric did. Like be like, yeah, we got Nadam Kong Su and then we picked up like everyone who was left over and let them compete. And we brought back that real competition thing that we had before. Because that's, I think, what made the Seahawks really good, young, and hungry right at the beginning of our run. And I don't really, if we do that and we go 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six and we just barely make the playoffs or we just barely miss the playoffs, I'm okay with that result because next year we'll have all our draft picks and it won't be like this year. And a where, really good cap number. Where we dried up all our draft picks. And also, yeah, we'll be out from under a lot of our, our kind of, I think, worse contracts. Uh, and just dead money from this year's cuts. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah. Another thing, too, I want, I want to just get out there because we only have like two one minute left to talk about anything. Uh, a lot of people are saying that uh, we contacted Dallas and we said, if you want Earl Thomas, you need to give us a first-round pick. That's exactly correct. Uh, there, There's no way we can let him go without getting a first-round pick back or at least like two or three sec, second and third rounders. So um, I could see them offering like a second and a third this year and a third next year, something like that, and us being like, okay, we can do that. Uh, but if... If they're not willing to give up first round pick, like we, Earl, it's worth keeping Earl Thomas. Uh, that he's he's a generational talent. You don't just give him up for nothing. Uh, it's not like we need to get pennies on the dollar. He's not going anywhere. He's not getting twenty six point one million dollars. He, he like plays a at a position that is pretty easy to fa- franchise to. If I'm being real about it, yep. He's already like the highest paid player at his position, or one of the highest paid players at his position. So we don't have to worry about like, oh, do we franchise him? Like, yeah, we could just franchise him. It's I not that feel like Dallas it. might just go after the Honey Badger. Who just got released today? I mean, that's they were they're not going to give up massive amounts for Earl Thomas. I don't know if they're. But what is Tyran Matthew in today's NFL? Like that's a question I always got to ask. Is he a safety? Is he a slot cornerback? Is he what is what is he? That's a fair is question. He, is it he like what you need on is your some team. kind of a tweener linebacker? He's obviously a great athlete. I don't know. I don't. He doesn't fit everywhere. He's not. You, if you pick true. him, you you can't you can't just. You gotta. You have to build your defense around his talents, not the other way around. Does that make sense? If you just try to shove him into your defense and say, "Hey, you're gonna play cover deep safety," like he's gonna suck. He's not gonna be good. So you you gotta make sure that you're you're using him. It's the same reason I think like somewhere Jabril Peppers is crying. Jabril just said Jabril Peppers <laughs> right, is exactly the same thing. Like if someone decides, "Hey, we're gonna use you and focus on you and build the I defense would love around to you," trade for Jabril Peppers because that's a guy who's beginning to use horribly. He's well. he could be good, but instead what what Hugh Jackson's team does is they ha- they say, "Hey, run straight backwards like five yards at the beginning of every play." 
It's like watching a really bad high school coach. It, it really frustrates me. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, let's get out of that that world. Kevin, any? Uh, sorry, Eric. Any stories that you want to talk, or any players you want to talk before we go on? No, man, on? we hit them all. There's uh, there's there's you, so really? much news that hit. You don't this. want to talk about Tom Brady cried after the Super Bowl loss to the Eagles? How dare you? How dare you bring Tom Brady into this beautiful? You podcast? don't want to talk about how the Patriots somehow got the, the Browns a trade of Danny Shelton for nothing? How how dare you? Part two. Come on, dude. <laughs> I just yeah, wanted to bring up the stories that would make you the most mad. That really does make me angry. I Danny Shelton's a talented player. Really, you know, you've, yeah, taken this, you've taken this angle in the new year about making me angry. I like it. It's, the podcast needs angry Eric Ronnebeck, but this is too far. Uh, also, uh, Trey Burton to Chicago for four years, $32 million. Man, Chicago loading up on some weapons for General Mitch Trubisky to uh, storm the uh, field. That's with. Mitchell? Thanks. Yeah. He made a decision, Kevin. We need to respect that. Ten did, months did ago, really? we were making nope. fun of Mitchell nope. Trubisky. Nope. And just now, says Mitchell on all his player pages. Yeah, I don't care. Though. <laughs> now we're uh, now we're looking at what a possibly stupendous receiving core he Let has. Let me tell you, young Mitchie here has some talent to work with. Do you do you think Allen Robinson was swayed at all by the fact that the the Baltimore restaurant offered him free crab cakes for life? Yes. Uh, we had a conversation about this in my staff room. Uh, how much free food would you have to be offered that you like? In order to make up for literally any amount, because dude's getting forty-two million. Forty-two million buys a lot of crab. Okay, let me ask you a question, Kevin. But now you don't have to. Do buy you know crab. about Joe Flacco's deal with Haribo Gold Bears? <laughs> yes. Joe. Joe. Fl- I'm gonna tell everyone. Just the listener knows so as well. Good. You Joe should. Flacco is the official spokesman of Haribo Gold Bears, and his contract states that he does not receive any money for being the official spokesman for Haribo Gold Bears. No, no, no. He just receives as many Haribo Gold Bears as he wants. For the rest of his life, what a, what a man! What a terrible really, contract! But I had no also, idea what he was that smart. Amazing deal. That is the most Joe Flacco fact. The thing that is, is, Joe Flacco's really thinking about life after football. Yeah. Also, you know, you don't really know how to define love until you see it. <laughs> <laughs> and that man showed us what love really. You don't, you don't know is. what you the got man's ahead of his time. I mean, he was still in Pizza Hut before Pizza Hut was the official NFL franchise. Oh, ah, Kevin, good point. This dude knows how to this. I'm just saying, whatever he signs a contract with next, I'm going to invest in that commodity. Hey, uh, yeah, but, but you know, let's let's bring the Joe Flacco love down a little bit, just to remind people that Alvin Kamara's rush average six point zero seven better than Joe Flacco's pass average five point three. So, just you know, if we needed to drag you guys down, make sure you understand this guy's worse at throwing than some anyone is at running. I just want to also bring up the fact that Seattle might be able to sign Jeremy Macklin is because Joe Flacco devalued yeah. him so much. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Let's get into the money zone. If you want to support the CX Nest podcast, sorry, headphones users, I dropped my cell phone. Uh, for uh, You can head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest where we put some exclusive content, uh, including during the regular season, a weekly podcast where we pick every NFL game. We have 13 Patreons now. That means we got a new one. Uh-oh. I should probably shout them out. Uh, uh, apologies to those of you who run through Patreon, but uh, our email access to our Patreon linked email is limited. It's, so. it's not great. Uh, looks like we picked up Keith. Keith, thanks for thanks for pledging to help us out, and we will get. Uh, you'll see. Well, you can see all the old podcasts now, and then next year you'll get all the new ones, and then a couple videos this off season video breakdowns. Um, I'll get something up there after the draft talking about who we picked up. Yeah. Oh yeah, the draft stuff is always good. Uh, all right. So yeah, let's do videos for the draft too, Kevin. We'll figure out how to do that. Me and Kevin will dig into the. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. Yeah, we'll just what we'll do is we'll just watch a YouTube video and then screen share it or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. We're teachers. We have the summer to figure stuff out. Yeah. 
All right, the all uh, like five weeks uh, off. If you don't have any money, if you're dead broke and you want to support the podcast, head over to Facebook.com slash Seahawks Nest. Give us a follow. Twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest. Uh, and oh wait, it's Facebook.com slash The Seahawks Nest. That's Seahawks it. Nest. And then it's Twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest. And you can go with five stars on any of your favorite listening apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you find your podcast. That's probably where you found us. Uh, we are now like the number three Seahawks podcast, and I want to be number two. I just don't. I don't really want to. I'm okay with losing to uh, to the Seahawkers podcast, which seems to be the most popular Seahawks podcast. Even though I think our I love those guys. I think our podcast competes with theirs. I think we're right there. I think we should be neck and neck, not so far behind. But I really just want to beat Hawk Blogger <laughs> soundly. <laughs> I don't. I find that I don't shade. I just. I just want to. I just want to beat them. I don't know why. I don't mind losing to the Seahawkers. They hey, seem man, cool. It's, uh, <laughs> it's it's okay to acknowledge your own excellence. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Uh, then uh, now let's get to what everyone wants to turn off the podcast when it starts the movie club so this week we're going to talk about a movie that is getting a sequel next week a movie that maybe we didn't know we wanted until it was there this movie is dumb fun incarnate yes all right it's pacific rim and then next week we'll get war ready and we'll see pacific rim uprising okay pacific rim guillermo del toro he decided he wanted to make a movie basically where giant robots fight monsters i think he built the whole movie just around that idea right Oh, definitely. There are way worse premises for an entire movie. Um, so he uh, he the giant robots are called Jaegers. They are controlled by a mental link between the two pilots to fight interdimensional monsters who come out of portals from another dimension. Can I name is that? That's the, the plot of the movie. Can right? I name the Jaegers in the movie? Well, can well, I just not tell yet. you that the best one's named Gypsy Tango? Hold yeah. on, the best. <laughs> The Gypsy best thing about what you said, I don't say it's Gypsy Danger. The best thing you said though was the two pilot thing. Let's let's talk about the two pilot thing. Okay, so the pilots have to do some kind of like mind meld, the mental handshake, and then once they mind meld, they each control like half of the Jaeger together because Wait, controlling they share a brain because controlling the Jaeger with by yourself is too much for one it. mind to handle. You can't do it. it no. Your mind will break. I I do need to. Uh, so Eric pointed this out very intentionally, and I need to point it out a second time. It is called what, Eric? I believe it's the mental. It's something handshake. The neural handshake. That's what it is. It's, that's that's the dumbest, most amazing name yes. ever for anything. It's it's when the two brains they merge so, and they have to get to know each other. Two brains become one. So basically, the monsters all have nicknames, and they're all like broken into classes. So they'll say like, "This is an S two class Jaeger, and it's named Knifehead," and then they just like. They've killed that one. It sucks. It's because his, uh, it's because his head looks like a knife. And then it should be noted that keep, this doesn't. This is another movie that does a great job of not stopping to explain that much. Yeah, and really explaining everything well. They cut. They they kind of keep. And the, so what happens is the Jaeger, the, the sorry, the kaiju keep getting stronger and stronger. And so they they're having trouble fighting them off. And at first, like they just build this giant wall and they can just like beat them up nonstop. But then now the breach is getting destroyed. Like the, the Jaegers are getting, or the sorry, the the. The monsters are getting too it big. It opens with. Uh, it opens this, with this success. This is a five-year-old movie. Should, can, we can go ahead and say it, right? Yeah, you can spoil it whatever. So it opens uh, with some success, followed by some failure. Yeah, it kind of over it recaps what the movie's about. Meaning, like over the past, like you know, this is this it'll remind you of like a late World War II film. Yes, where it shows you like 
allies marching towards Berlin and stuff, where it's kind of giving you like the best ofs of the uh, Jaeger's successful fights against the kaiju and the building of the wall or the project beginning with the building of this giant wall that runs down the uh, west coast of North America in order to protect the citizenship. And it's it's basically, you know, monsters attacked, but guess what? We had them beat. They kind of gloss over that. That could be its own movie, but that's when the movie picks up. It's like after that first ten minutes, and like now it got really bad. But Kevin... Will you please run us through those Jaeger names? I mean, Gypsy Danger already. And will you please, already say Is that your favorite? Uh, I'll, I'll do that at the end. Okay. The main, the main, the main actor in the movie is Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy, and he's 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 the Gypsy Danger pilot. He's uh, very good at losing his American accent too. Along with his brother at the beginning. Well, yeah, at first it's his brother, but then it's like a uh, an Asian woman who and his brother his brother's killed while they are in the neural handshake, so, and so it haunts his brain. Which is totally viable in this. Like it's it's absolutely hokey, but when you're watching the movie, you're like, yeah, this works. Oh, and he and he has to pilot the Jaeger by himself to you know for like, for, for five, five minutes. minutes or something. But it's it like, was just he did it, and people yeah. act like seven tours and no <laughs> when they like, talk about him doing it. Yeah, when he did it for five minutes, it was like the hardest thing that he ever he ever did. Or whatever. Uh, then we have uh, the Russian Cherno Alpha. Definitely a Chernobyl reference. That's super Definitely cool. Definitely good. And it's a weird looking robot. They're all some so there's some strange looking robots. That's they, a fact. They, yeah, they the main then the other main ones, there's there's a Chinese one that with like eight arms, right? Crimson yeah, three arms. Typhoon. That is my favorite. That is the coolest one. Three Jaeger pilots, guys, because it has three arms, three pilots, triplet and triplets. Triplets. Yeah. That's amazing. And then the last one is like an Australian one, right? The striker Eureka. Which is uh, my least favorite pilot combination. Strike but you're not a Eureka. Like yeah, they're, they're, uh, <laughs> it's my favorite robot, though, because it's the one that's built for speed. And whenever I would play these stupid video games uh, where you would like be giant robots fighting, I always like the ones that were fast. Okay. Yeah. Like Ma- because like the NFL teaches you, you can't coach speed. Yeah. Like Max Martini is like the dad, and he's the and he's like and his son, the and gritty him, veteran they're, they're, striker. They're they're like the Australian guys, and the son is like a, a dick. And yeah. he's he's obviously the least talented actor in the whole movie. Max Martini, uh, no, no, Max Martini's son. son. Oh yeah, okay. I was gonna say Max, right. Mar- Max, Mar- <laughs> Max Martini, dude. Don't don't talk trash about him, dude. He was in fifty sh- in the Fifty Shades movies. Yeah. All right, um, <laughs> me, now maybe <laughs> I will. Fine acting there. Uh, yeah, there's just a bunch of cool. Like, there's a lot of actors in this movie that are pretty cool. They obviously made the cast really diverse to try to appeal to like. Hey, where this movie's going to be marketed in China and Russia and all these countries, and we want to make like five hundred million dollars worldwide. So we're going to make, you know, we're going to have a nice international cast. But it actually really works. Uh, Idris Elba's great. Uh, Ron Perlman's in the movie and then like an extended cameo. That's and amazing. Idris Elba and Ron Perlman, you could cast them as anything in anything, and they two make treasures. it better. But that Ron Perlman character, like the black market, yes. a guy is just is. Oh, so what is his name? Good. What is his name? Uh, Hannibal Chow. Yes. yes. Yeah. Why? 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 Charlie Day's in the movie, and yeah. he from It's Always Sunny. The scientists are quite good. How'd you? What, was your real name Hannibal Chow? He's like, no, I, I took it from my favorite, my favorite character in uh, literature, and then the off the guy's shoes I stole or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, my favorite Chinese food. No, his favorite historical yeah. figures yeah, and his yes. second favorite Szechuan restaurant. That's in what Brooklyn. it was. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's such a dumb thing. Yeah. So Hannibal Chow. <laughs> Yeah, this movie, it 
it doesn't take itself so seriously that you can't laugh at the ridiculousness, but it takes itself seriously enough that you can feel the drama and suspense, and like you, you have ups and downs emotionally while you're watching it. It's a big dumb robot movie, but it's done in the best way possible. Well, then there's like real themes in this movie, right? Like there's the theme of like Trust. trusting your partner yeah. and like uh, like like when you're drifting with each other, like you have to you have to have empathy. You have to like empathize with the other person and trust them and really understand it's like them. Cool uh, like, which is kind of really cool. Uh, yes, Kevin. Another thing too is is that he, um, I think he did a good job of like it's a it's a war movie, but it doesn't glorify war in any way. It like he like it makes it the enemy is like unbeatable, and their humanity is just scraping to survive. Right? It's not like they're not like Captain Major General. You know, they have like weird like other ranks. Like they're like Marshal or like Ranger. You know, well, like, and there's yes. no uh... because they don't. I think he wanted to make it like it's not. It's not like about war, you know, it's about something else. You're it, not there's no real jobs, you're either kind of doing something for pleasure or you're building the wall. Well, then Idris Elba is absolutely playing, you know, the man who's been there too long and seen too much and you fluctuate between like, you know, this dude cares and this dude hates everyone and you realize, yes. And he's the only leader they have. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the whole thing is uh, after, like, you find out after uh, uh, Gypsy Danger was defeated, that was, like, the beginning of the end. Then the kaiju started winning, mm-hmm. and they basically scrapped the Jaeger program. So it became... To build this stupid wall instead. Yeah, and then when the wall gets breached, well, say, spoiler, they have to scramble the, the Jaegers. The wall gets breached. This is, by the way, the first, like, 25 minutes of the movie, so... The, the whole, like, building the wall thing, too, you're just like, that shit's never gonna work. Like, what would, you, just gonna give what would up? make you yeah. think that's a good idea? Yeah, this um, is a great Vajino line. That is such politics, though. Like, what makes you, <laughs> Nathan says, what makes you think it would work? And, of course, they're gonna build it. Uh, there's also the theme of fatherhood, which is really important in this movie. Uh-huh. Yep. Even if it's symbolic fatherhood, it's actual fatherhood. Uh, there's family without being too like in yeah your like face. that togetherness message yes. Yes. yes it's there's family that's actual family but there's also like you know the family you make exactly and also like people binding together like to to do something when they when they are you know pushed challenge when they're forced to or pushed together and I feel like the, I pay this movie a tremendous compliment that I like to compliment with uh, art I see or uh, movies and that's this movie is whatever it is you want it to be. Like, it, it can transform in such a way that, like Kevin said, it's a dumb movie you can have on in the background, you can laugh at it, you can throw popcorn while eating it, or you can be like, man, this is a really cool movie. Okay, let me let me give two things I really like about this movie, okay, that we haven't mentioned yet. One, uh, the, the animation, the visuals are the best of any movie. This has the best water battle of any movie in movie history. And uh, the and the effects are all spot on. Everything you don't looks think really of good. It being CGI while you're watching, it yeah. doesn't yeah, feel call. like it. Yeah. And so the animation is incredible. The second thing is the score is awesome. There's like a main score that they use throughout the whole movie. Uh, that that's really really good. And then uh, the the guy who did the score is the same guy who did the score for like Thrones and uh, what's some other stuff he well, did. It sounds like Game of Thrones, uh, Iron Man, Prison Break. Like he did a bunch of stuff, and I think it's a really 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 good. Uh, Score. So yeah, that's that's my two things that I weren't mentioned yet. Anything else you guys want to say about this one? Man, uh, I think we should all say our favorite Jaegers. Oh, really quickly though. Uh, I want to hear Nathan. So to piggyback on this, the thing that I think that goes along with that, between the score, the visuals, the character-driven standpoint of it, this movie has ambiance. 
Like it, it like the streets are dingy. It feels like humanity's on its last legs without like throwing it in your face too much. You just, it's everywhere. It has such a consistent thing. It's very grungy, kind of noirish. All right. All right, so Nate, you have to name your favorite Jaeger because you already named ours. Yeah, I don't know, whatever the Jaeger that John Boyega's in in the second one. John Boyega's my dude. Like, I know <laughs> I know that, like, um, the second movie's probably not going to be as good because it's not Del Toro. It doesn't uh, look, the effects do not look very good in the preview. It looks, I mean, it, we went from, like, a Travis Beecham uh, Del Toro screenplay to uh, Del Toro's just producing, and he kind of gave them a story seed. It was kind of like what J.J. Abrams did for Lost. Which we all saw how that turned out. Lost was lost was good, <laughs> lost was good for a while, and then they kind of just lost the path, right? Uh, that's kind of how I feel about this movie. Is it, it might be good, but it, it, I I feel like at some point it's going to lose the 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 path. Um, but it will be visually interesting enough to see in theaters. John Boyega is my dude, though. Like I love John Boyega. I'll watch him do anything. <laughs> if like, we can talk about the sequel, I, without- I'm going I'm to watch Detroit. That's how much I like John Boyega. Uh, okay, <laughs> having not seen the movie because it isn't out yet, I would much rather have seen a prequel. Than a sequel, because I I thought oh, it would have been really cool to see like Idris Elba's character when he was younger. Yeah, I, so, so like it's, so it's John Boy, it's John Boyega still though, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm into it. It still. would work as long as it's still John Boyega. Brand new Jaegers. Uh, we get to see Earth kind of like in Pacific Rim. They show you Seattle now. Yeah. Like afterwards, yeah. and it's it's trashed. It's gone. It's yeah. done. I would have liked to have seen you know that happen in a movie. The Battle of Seattle. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. That like Rick Ross song that they're using in the in the in the trailer. I'm is, I'm super into that. Like you can do that as much as you want. That trailer's tense. It's like uh, it's like they already want. They already said like if this movie succeeds, they're gonna make a third movie. This movie's like Ghetto Dunkirk. It's like <laughs> like it's supposed to. It's super tense, but like, it's, so like Nathan, but it's also uh, over the top giant robots. Nathan likes the uh, Rick Ross song for Pacific Rim, but you didn't like the one for Suicide Squad very well. I just don't like Suicide Squad. I I, I have no opinion on the the music. How about that? I just thought the villain sucked, and I can't believe I watched that movie. Like, <laughs> Sorry, to, I don't want to take you off track. Uh, anyway, that's that's it. Uh, if you like big, over-the-top, action-y movies, see this one in theaters, because it will be worth the price of admission if you go like very often at all. Because this is one of those ones where there will be enough there to see it in a theater, I think. <laughs> all right, well, for Kevin Garber, for, for Eric Ronnebeck, Nathan Sano, and we'll see you guys next week. Go Hawks! <laughs>